Well, the political week got off to a pretty early start uh, this time around with Prime Minister Christopher Luxon over the weekend accusing Labour of uh, leaving his administration with, what, a fragile economy or a fragile New Zealand and specifically a $200 billion hole in transport commitments. That's a figure nearly half the size of the New Zealand economy. Labour leader Chris Hipkins joins us now. Kia ora, good morning. Kia ora, good morning. Firstly, uh, would you describe the economy as fragile? No, I think the New Zealand economy, like many economies around the world, is recovering from the global pandemic and the aftershocks of the global pandemic. But inflation is trending back down. It's expected to be back down within the target range by the end of the year. We actually came out the other side of the, you know, the global economic challenge caused by the uh, by the pandemic with relatively low levels of government debt compared to the rest of the world, if you compare on an apples-for-apples basis. Uh, So, and, you know, unemployment in New Zealand, yes, it is ticking up a bit, but it's still low relative to much of the rest of the developed world. Well, the thing is, you see, if you were in government, you would be running a similar exercise here, wouldn't you? You'd be, in terms of expectations ahead of a budget, you yourself had made some commitments to restore the books, continue with that recovery. This is, you'd be doing the same thing, wouldn't you? Well, let's be clear what's happening here. The National Party were told during the election campaign that they hadn't allowed enough money for cost pressures that were facing the government, that the tax cuts they were promising weren't affordable. Just about every economist said that the tax cuts numbers that they were putting forward didn't add up. Now it's abundantly clear that the numbers don't add up, and so they're trying to create a scenario in which they can break the promises that they made because they could never afford to make them in the first place. Their their, their manifesto, the promises they made at the election, were not credible and they were not funded. Yes, but the, there is a, I mean, it's a cold hard fact that there's $100 billion of debt there. There is uh, deficits for the next uh, three years, a $10 billion deficit in the next year ahead. I mean, that is what they inherited. Yeah, and we are we were on track to get the government's books back into surplus. And about this, you know, like when the global financial crisis hit, the government books went into deficit, and it took the then national government about eight years to get the books back into surplus. After that, the global financial crisis and the pandemic should actually be seen through a similar lens. They both were major shocks on the world economy, and New Zealand, as a small trading nation, of course, really feels the effect of that. Did you, in terms of transport commitments, you know, I understand that these a lot of these are long-term projects and it's not reasonable for a government necessarily to be detailing them every budget, but did you leave a big gap there, in particular with the light rail, about how that would be funded? Billions of dollars. We took exactly the same approach that the last national government took. And in fact, that this government are going to take when they release their um, national land transport priorities in a few weeks. We indicated what we would fund over the next three-year period because you fund land transport projects in cycles. And it was less specific for the ones as you moved you know, further into the future. My pick is the current government will take exactly the same approach um, when they release their priorities in a few weeks. And was weeks. Treasury comfortable with you taking that position? I don't think they were were they? I mean, you were criticised for, there was, some, there was some gaps there. Well, as they, as the they, Treasury's um, pre-budget documents specify the risks, and amongst the risks, of course, are the projects which aren't fully funded. The same thing happened in 2017 um, when Stephen Joyce released a whole list of transport projects without, you know, detailed uh, analysis of exactly how each of those would be funding, and Treasury were critical of that as well. Um, but the reality is this is the way governments, successive governments, Labor, National, then Labor, um, have have funded land transport projects for quite okay. some time. 
now. Uh, the job seeker, can you explain why it is when we've got historically low unemployment, and we have done for quite some time, I mean, employment has been one of the great, you know, good things over the last few years, despite COVID and everything, uh, that we have an increase in the job seeker numbers. Why would they be going up if we've got unemployment so low? What is going wrong? What's wrong with the system? Well, the overall size of the population has grown, um, but of course, and, and so therefore, the number of um, people who are on benefits has also increased. If well, let's just it, talk through that. So it's, about, it's grown by about half a million, hasn't it? But, but if you look at if you look at it relative to the size of the population, and you look at it across a longer forecast, you know, a longer time period, actually, it's it's not an unusually high number. No, of no, no, no. I looked at this. I looked at this relative to the size of the I population. I looked at this. So back in 2017, it would have been what more like about four percent of working age population on job secrets. About five percent now. That's right. So it's not a massive increase. Um, and we've been through a, a massive economic um, sort of upheaval with, uh, with, with the global pandemic and, uh, you know, jobs changing, people shifting jobs. Bear in mind, too, that the majority of the vast majority of people who are on a benefit are on a benefit for less than six months. So this is just the natural attrition or a natural kind of consequence of a growing population. It's got nothing to do with sanctions or the you know the generosity or otherwise of the system I think sanctions, you know, if you look at the analysis that was presented to the last national government, who actually um, did try sanctions, it found that sanctions didn't make a difference in getting people off work. I think um, they, they oh, sorry, off benefit and into work. But the national government will tell you that if you just mean enough to beneficiaries, they'll go into work. The reality is that we're going to need to uh, provide a bit more carrot um, along with any stick uh, if we're going to get people off. So hang, hang, hang on. So, so what would what would if, what are you saying? You would get rid of sanctions. I'm saying that you know the, the advice provided, and the current government are talking about bringing back more sanctions. The advice provided to the last national government was actually that those, those sanctions weren't working. Well, I mean, because the thing is, you had a pretty, you've still got a pretty rigorous sanctions regime there. The issue was that your government didn't necessarily, or, or the or directive was to perhaps not enforce them as much, wasn't it? I, I, I don't agree with that characterisation. You won't find any evidence of that. Um, the reality is that you know sanctions have always been there, um, and they were there during our time in government, despite what the National Party would, would now claim. So you'd get rid of them. But, but that's what you're but, saying but, now. No, I haven't. You, you, I haven't at all. I've just said that they haven't worked. Um, and what we need to do now is look at actually what are the ways that we're going to get people off benefit and into work in a sustainable way. And that's going to involve looking at some of the underlying issues. Some of the people who are sitting on benefits are going to need more proactive support in terms of training, in terms of giving them skills that will actually get them into sustainable long-term employment. I think the approach that the current government are taking is more likely to lead to people going into a cycle of short-term, unstable employment, back onto benefit, back into short-term unstable employment, back onto benefit. That's not actually a good mm. outcome. The outcome that we want is to get them into sustainable sure. long-term and, employment. And I guess... I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I was just trying to see the thing is the Greens this morning, from their perspective, they are arguing get basically get rid of sanctions. This is a poverty issue. And that if you give people the dignity and the ability to have a good life or whatever through presumably a universal basic income or, or something other, that's the key here. That They're kind of looking at something a bit more radical. And I'm just curious as to what Labour would be into and whether that would be something acceptable to you. Well, I think what we have to do, um, and you know, we will do over the next few years, is look at some new ideas around how we can get more sustainable employment outcomes for people who are on benefit. And sanctions are likely to lead to more unstable employment outcomes that are often very short-lived. We actually want to see people getting off benefit and into sustainable long-term employment.
Just finally, uh, the other interesting issue which cropped up over the weekend, I thought, was the population strategy which uh, Erica Stanford hinted at in her interview on Q&A with Jack Tame. This has always been quite a controversial issue, the idea of a population strategy, almost sort of setting a what would be an appropriate target for immigration or, or uh, you know, permanent residency. How does Labour feel about that? I wouldn't necessarily set an arbitrary number. I think what we should have is immigration settings that allow us to bring people into the country whose skills and expertise we need um, and who are going to contribute to the economy without necessarily putting a cap or a a specific limit on that. Um, But what I would say is that the current government are all over the show on that. Winston Peters, you know, only a few weeks ago saying that um, immigrants were to blame for higher unemployment. Um, And then you've got Erica Stanford who, you know, before the election was saying that we were being too restrictive in our immigration policies is now saying that we weren't restrictive enough. So uh, I think I think the the the, the crisis. Okay, but I mean, no, I mean, um, genuine here. I mean, in terms of, a, I understand your point, but in terms of this is a, a bigger picture question for New Zealand. The idea of we actually, and you'd almost need to be bipartisan here, where you sit down and everyone sits down and says, what is an appropriate population growth over our medium term? I remember the Greens raising this a few years years ago, and they got absolutely criticised for it. And I'm just curious as to whether that's something you would entertain. Well, it has to sit within a wider debate of you know, sustainable growth within the economy. Simply growing the economy um, without worrying about what kind of growth that is isn't a sustainable way forward for the future. We can, you know, um, there, there's plenty of literature out there at the moment that suggests that economic growth in the form that we've had in recent decades is not lifting all boats. It is not resulting in all people being better off. Um, and actually, that's the conversation that we need to have. Chris Hipkins, thank you very much for your time. That is the Labour Party leader.